Every time we do something new, we take a risk and we feel vulnerable. But in a powerful new vision, Dr. Brene Brown challenges everything we think we know about vulnerability and argues that it's actually a strength. Here's an extract of her audiobook, Daring Greatly. Looking inside our culture of never enough. After doing this work for the past 12 years and watching scarcity ride roughshod over our families, organizations, and communities, I'd say the one thing we have in common is that we're sick of feeling afraid. We want to dare greatly. We're tired of the national conversation centering on what should we fear, who should we blame. We all want to be brave. You can't swing a cat without hitting a narcissist. Granted, it was not one of my most eloquent moments on stage. It also wasn't my intention to offend anyone. But when I'm really fired up or frustrated, I tend to revert back to the language instilled in me by generations of Texans who came before me. I swing cats, things get stuck in my craw, and I'm frequently fixing to come undone. These regressions normally happen at home or when I'm with family and friends, but occasionally, when I'm feeling pissed, they slip out on stage. I've heard and used the swinging cat expression my entire life, and it didn't dawn on me that more than a few of the thousand members of the audience were picturing me knocking over self-important folks with an actual feline. In my defense, while responding to numerous emails sent by audience members who thought animal cruelty was inconsistent with my message of vulnerability and connection, I did learn that the expression has nothing to do with animals. It's actually a British Navy reference to the difficulty of using a cat of nine tails in the tight quarters of a ship. I know, not so great either. In this particular instance, the cat swinging was triggered when a woman from the audience shouted out, The kids today think they're so special. What's turning so many people into narcissists? My less than stellar response verged on smart alecky. Yeah, you can't swing a cat without hitting a narcissist but it stemmed from a frustration that I feel when I hear the term narcissism thrown around. Facebook is so narcissistic. Why do people think what they're doing is so important? The kids today are all narcissists. It's always me, me, me. My boss is such a narcissist. She thinks she's better than everyone and is always putting other people down. And while lay people are using narcissism as a catch-all diagnosis for everything from arrogance to rude behavior, researchers and helping professionals are testing the concept's elasticity in every way imaginable. Recently, a group of researchers conducted a computer analysis of three decades of hit songs. The researchers reported a statistically significant trend toward narcissism and hostility in popular music. In line with their hypothesis, they found a decrease in usages such as we and us and an increase in I and me. The researchers also reported a decline in words related to social connection and positive emotions and an increase in words related to anger and antisocial behavior, such as hate or kill. Two of the researchers from that study, Gene Twingy and Keith Campbell, authors of the book The Narcissism Epidemic, argue that the incidence of narcissistic personality disorder has more than doubled in the United States in the last 10 years. Relying on yet another fine saying from my grandmother, it feels like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Or is it? Are we surrounded by narcissists? Have we turned into a culture of self-absorbed, grandiose people who are only interested in power, success, beauty, and being special? Are we so entitled that we actually believe that we're superior 
even when we're not really contributing or achieving anything of value? Is it true that we lack the necessary empathy to be compassionate, connected people? If you're like me, you're probably wincing a bit and thinking, yes, this is exactly the problem. Not with me, of course, but in general, this sounds about right. It feels good to have an explanation, especially one that conveniently makes us feel better about ourselves and places the blame on those people. In fact, whenever I hear people making the narcissism argument, it's normally served up with a side of contempt, anger, and judgment. I'll be honest, I even felt those emotions when I was writing that paragraph. Our first inclination is to cure the narcissists by cutting them down to size. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to teachers, parents, CEOs, or my neighbors. The response is the same. These egomaniacs need to know that they're not special, they're not that great, they're not entitled to jack, and they need to get over themselves. No one cares. And trust me, this is the G-rated version. Here's where it gets a little tricky and frustrating and maybe even a little heartbreaking. The topic of narcissism has penetrated the social consciousness enough that most people correctly associate it with a pattern of behaviors that include grandiosity, a pervasive need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. What almost no one understands is how every level of severity in this diagnosis is underpinned by shame, which means we don't fix it by cutting people down to size and reminding folks of their inadequacies and smallness. Shame is more likely to be the cause of these behaviors not the cure. Looking at narcissism through the lens of vulnerability. Diagnosing and labeling people whose struggles are more environmental or learned than genetic or organic is often far more detrimental to healing and change than it is helpful. And when we have an epidemic on our hands, unless we're talking about something physically contagious, the cause is much more likely to be environmental than a hardwiring issue. Labeling the problem in a way that makes it about who people are rather than the choices that they're making lets all of us off the hook. Huh, too bad, that's who I am. I'm a huge believer in holding people accountable for their behaviors. So I'm not talking about blaming the system here. I'm talking about understanding the root cause so we can address the problems. It's often helpful to recognize patterns of behaviors and to understand what those patterns may indicate. But that's far different from becoming defined by a diagnosis, which is something I believe, and the research shows, often exacerbates shame and prevents people from seeking help. That was an extract of Daring Greatly, written and read by Brene Brown. It's one of a number of audiobooks from Penguin Audio that are designed to inspire you in all aspects of your life. You can download the audiobook now from Apple Books, Audible, or Google Play.